three weeks it's been. That is a long that is a long hiatus even for us, isn't it? Yeah, three well, that podcast. You're busy. I'm busy. We're both students. It, you know, it makes sense. Mate, I have been so busy and so stressed out. I don't know how you got into a good university, Ben, because university applications, the whole process, very stressful, going to be honest with you. Didn't I, didn't I give you my one big piece of advice for uni applications? Get them in as quick as possible. Oh, right. Because, well, yeah. I could have done with that a couple of months ago, Ben. I think I, I remember telling you it. I do... I don't remember that. Oh, anyway, I submitted I will. I'll take your word for it, Ben. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Articuform podcast with Ben and Jacob. And we have got a great podcast lined up for you today. Coming up, we have got reviews from The Crown uh, and his Dark Materials and The Mandalorian as well, which I am so excited about. But right now, well, let's kick off with the news. So we've had quite a busy um, three weeks. <laughs> we've got news from three weeks, so we don't have to be like, talk about stuff that's not really very relevant, but we just need something to talk about. We've actually got things to talk about the news in this episode, uh, which is always nice, isn't it? I know, I know, I know. So first up. Crazy Rich Asians director, John M. Chu, Crazy Rich Asians was one of my favourite films of a few years ago. He's going to ha- help direct a live-action Lilo and Stitch. I mean, I that's a live-action film I could get behind, if you get what I mean. I mean, it yeah. certainly could be more interesting than The Lion King was. But I am excited for The Lion King 2, which Barry Jenkins is helming because he's a genius. On a they're side doing note, Lion King 2? Yeah, they're doing a Lion King 2. Um, I swear we talked about that a few weeks same ago. Characters. Same characters. I'm not sure. It's just been announced and the Oscar-winning director behind Moonlight, Barry Jenkins, is taking the helm. So that could be an interesting exploration of lions in a jungle. Oh, very, very exciting. Elsewhere in the news, upcoming DC action comedy Peacemaker stars John Cena, Steve Agee, Robert Patrick, Danielle Brooks, Jennifer Holland, and Chris Conrad. What a lineup that is, mate. It is. It is a pretty meaty lineup. And we're not. I was reading that. John Cena. This is key. Please clarify this is the, um, the wrestler. The wrestler turned actor John Cena, who he's on the on the last episode uh, of the podcast. I got the basketball player Michael Jordan and the actor Michael Jordan convinced as being the same person. So now I'm always just going to clarify these things. No. So actual wrestler John Cena, yeah? former wrestler, big time actor John Cena, who starred brilliantly in Blockers a few years ago. If you haven't watched that, watch it. What? He was, was he in the dad. He's also in the Daddy's Home franchise. He's very funny, and he will be playing Peacemaker, not just in the live-action HBO series, but also in James Gunn's Suicide Squad 2. So that could be interesting. You can see more of his skills there. Amazing. And Ben, our final news story for this week. Yes, it's Jeff Nichols, who's a guy who I genuinely think has never made a bad film. His films include Loving and Mud. He's directing a Quiet Place spin-off, which has been wrote by John Krasinski, who obviously directed the first one. 
Now we're still waiting on A Quiet very, Place 2. Very exciting times. Very exciting times. I mean, we are still waiting on A Quiet Place 2. It was meant to come in April, but uh, uh COVID. And uh, yeah, all that bollocks. Anyway, um, like... I'm, I mean, I'm. Let's be honest. I think everything. I think everything that's been rescheduled for early next year is going to get pushed back again. Yes, I think it will as well. And I wouldn't Which be surprised. We need to as soon as cinemas open wherever you are. They're currently closed in the UK right now, uh, only till early in December. Then they should, fingers crossed, be back open again. Go to the local cinemas if you want to see Quiet Place come out, basically, basically. or any film ever come out. Mm. Go to the cinemas. And all I'm going to say, if cinemas close, it's Disney's fault. But moving on to a Disney product, which you love, Jacob. How's the Mandalorian season two? You quite like it as well, Ben. As far as Disney goes, you like this. Well, I liked the one episode of season one I watched, and then I never watched another episode. So I think likes a strong word. Well, you liked the one. You liked what you saw. So, yes, we're going to go for like. Yeah, but I didn't want to watch anymore. Yeah, but that's because that's not your kind of show, is I'm it? More, no, it is my kind of show. I just, I, I more didn't hate it than, which for me is like for a Star Wars show. I'm more just, it was just okay. It watched it. It charmed me for an hour. I did not see the need to watch the second episode. But you love it. Go on with your one, review. Episode one. Did you watch season one, episode one? Yes. Yes. Okay. But season two has now come out. We are three episodes in to The Mandalorian, and so many people have naturally resubscribed to Disney Plus. Uh, Ben's written here in the notes, Jacob, don't go to fanboy. Thanks. Note self. We um, we came on Zoom call, and Ben Ben just says, Jacob, notes you've written they are very Star Wars specific. Um, yeah, I'm a huge Star Wars fanboy. Fight me. But to be honest with you, I think that's quite a, a good point from Ben because the last season of The Mandalorian, you didn't really have to watch too much of of the other Star Wars stuff to be able to watch The Mandalorian. However, I feel like this season of The Mandalorian, you're naturally going to be a little bit confused. Uh, we've got the return. Spoilers, by the way. Spoilers for the next two minutes of the podcast. So if you don't want spoilers skipped about two minutes time we've got the return of Tima. how do you say that Ben? how do you say his name i don't want to get it wrong i don't want to fuck it up you're the star wars fan yeah but you're the non-dyslexic guy tim or i am but timura morrison oh we're both dyslexic great <laughs> uh yes but timura morrison has returned to the franchise and is playing boba fett so you need to be pretty familiar with star wars to know that but also, you need to be a really big Star Wars fan to get the character Bogatan, who uh, was first introduced in Star Wars The Clone Wars and then Star Wars Rebels. She's never been in live action before. So unless you watch Clone Wars and Rebels, which in my opinion, you have to be a pretty hardcore Star Wars fan for, considering those um, those series are also aimed for kids, um, you, you're going to be a little bit confused. But anyway, Bogatan, the character is played by Kate Sackhoff, uh, who actually voiced the character in the cartoon. So she's uh, brought the character to live action and she's absolutely smashing it. As ever, The Mandalorian doing a great job at world building. The visuals are incredible. Absolutely incredible. I will. I will give the 
show that. The Emmy winning show does look good. It is. Honestly, the visuals are so good. In episode... Was it the first one? Yeah, episode one of season two. Oh my God, the visuals. Best visuals I think I've ever seen. Mm. I'm not joking. So good. Like, it looks so real. The CGI, all the effects, it genuinely looks so good. Wow. And you are, you're not really giving me anything back here. You feel like that was such a bold statement. Yeah, I know that was a bold statement. I'm just going to let you roll with all that because, look, whatever you say about The Mandalorian, I'm taking your word on it because I'm not going to watch it. I wouldn't like it. You can speak to the Star Wars fans here. I'm just zoning out and drinking my water and letting people listen to a bit of the podcast without my voice. (laughs) Did you like my review? I did for The Mandalorian, by the way. I did, and you can read Jacob's written review on the Articu Film site. Um, And all the other reviews are done by Ben. Mm. As you can tell, I'm not the the expert here. Right, Ben, (laughs) should we get into some trailer talk? Yeah, no, um... Just if that's all you want to say about The Mandalorian, that's fine. But what was that thing? I have a question. What was that thing about Baby Yoda eating a frog lady's eggs that was apparently genocide? <laughs> I saw this on Twitter and I was like... Yeah, it's a meme everywhere, isn't it? I was like, another reason why I shouldn't watch the show. Okay, so basically, there's a new kind of like species in the Star Wars universe. And there's only two of them left. Frog Lady and Frogman. Frogman's on a world. And the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda are giving Frog Lady a, a lift to this planet where her husband is. But she's got the last ever eggs of her species. And Baby Yoda just starts eating them. I mean, genocide. And this is from Disney, the firm who supported the Yigu Muslim genocide in China. So I'm not surprised. But... Anyway. Ben, I'm sorry, Star Wars has got nothing to do with politics. I mean, okay, it's, a lot of it created... is actually about politics, but I meant like more what actually is going on. I think your statement's fair. Anything with Disney, by Disney, is inertly political and ties into Disney's politics, in my opinion. And I would taint it all with the same brush. I taint Disney's politics. I don't want to have this conversation, Ben. You're just going to annoy me. Let's get into some trouble at all. Okay, so the Superintelligence trailer. I was in the cinema the last week or a week and a half ago, whenever, the day before they closed, and I went to watch Pixie, which is terrible. We're not reviewing it in the show. But um, I saw the trailer for Superintelligence, and my mate who I was watching the film with turned to me and went, well, that looks awful. The film is about an AI, an all-powerful AI, that has decided the only person who can save the world is a stock Melissa McCarthy character copied and pasted from all of her comedies. Now, it's coming out on the 11th of December. I'm not sure if that'll be in cinemas, on VOD, on Netflix. It's not been announced yet how it's coming out, but it stars McCarthy, obviously, as well as Bobby Cannavale, Brian Terry Henry, and James Corden as the all-powerful AI who all women find naturally attractive and calming, apparently. That's the... It's the same same James Corden late, late, late show. The late, late show, James Corden, yep. He's playing a character... I don't know. I say too many lates. I don't know how many late lates there are. The same James Corden, he doesn't strike me as the um, type of 
person women love. Yeah, I know. I mean, they just... I'm not sure, but I do... I quite like the idea, not going to lie, of James Corden playing an AI who bases themselves off James Corden because why not? I, I think James Corden is a, is a great actor. Well, I don't know. He can do great stuff, Gavin and Stacey. He also did do Cats. Yeah. Which... Yeah. Let's, He's a good singer as well, though. He is a very good singer. Did you see the, on YouTube, I saw it, the video he did of Trump leaving yes. office and the singing? That was very good. I think you sometimes... Just quickly, why you spoke about Cats then, I haven't seen it. Is it all shit? So... <laughs> it's so hyped up. It's got, like, Taylor Swift in it. Is Justin Timberlake in it? No, Jason Derulo. Justin Timberlake's in Trolls. Um... <laughs> no, I don't know. I enjoy cats. I enjoy looking for where the bum holes would have been, and I enjoy how ridiculous it is, and how terrible it is, and how low-key horrifying it is. And I will often be drinking while I'm watching it. Um, as a conventional film, it doesn't work, but it works in the same way. I enjoy watching The Room, which is the Citizen Kane of bad movies. And being completely honest, I prefer to watch The Room or Cats than Citizen Kane. So, yeah, I don't think it's a complete misfire. Just a weird off-topic there we swung. Now, elsewhere, trailers have dropped for Come Away, which is coming to Netflix on the 4th of December. Yep, um, it stars, well, it's Peter Pan before he was Pan and Alice in Wonderland before she went to Wonderland. It's, oh, right. That sounds all right, doesn't it? It sounds mythical. It stars David Oyelowo, Angelina Jolie, and Anna Chancellor. And it's from the director of Brave. Angelina Jolie? Yes. I love how I didn't know you were dyslexic, but in this trailer <laughs> talk paragraph alone, you've spelt Peter, as in Peter Pan, P-E-R-T-E-R, <laughs> but Angelina Jolie... You have written Angela as A-N-H-E-L-I-N-A. Um, I think that's more typo than... No, I don't think that's a typo, Ben. Also, I did manage to, before I corrected it, spell Alice without an E. Just... Anyway, let's talk about the final trailer, which I'm not really sure is a trailer because... Oh, and you've got no spelling errors in this one, I I have, because... This isn't really a show. It's it's one of the most anticipated reunions on HBO Max. The thing they've been advertising the platform on. The thing people have been talking about on Instagram for weeks. And it's not Friends, thank God. I will kill myself when that thing comes out, that reunion. I it's, cannot wait on the other hand. <laughs> it's the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air's reunion. And even Will Smith's returning. I mean, I'm just humming the theme tune thinking about it i'm hoping it'll be fun it'll be light that that is a show with such good backstage stories if you ever read them and it is 30 years after i love how much you hate friends and how much i love it oh i don't like the fresh prince of bel-air um i'm not huge on it i We'll I mean, it it's okay, but I wouldn't sit down and watch it. Oh, yeah, that's... It's, it's okay. background TV, in my opinion. Yeah, it's definitely background TV. 
but I'm oddly more interested in the reunion than I am watching the actual show. And I'm really interested. Have you heard Will Smith producing a Bel Air reboot? That's... Yes, we've spoken about it on the podcast. Before. Yeah, I'm excited about the dark. See, I do pay attention. I know, I'm really excited about it's dark, it's gritty. I think that could be interesting. Because just listen to the theme tune. There's lots of stuff to play out. How how bad was the fight? Did someone get stabbed? Were the police called? Why? How bad is it that he has to move across the country? I mean, that's all played for laughs, but ooh, could be good. I love how into it you got then. You're so into it. Ben is looking forward to that, if, if you couldn't tell. Back now, though, to the reviews. The Crown, season four, four on Netflix. Ben, so much hype around this. Yes. Is this the reason why everyone has suddenly become obsessed with chess? No, that's the Queen's Gambit. <laughs> okay. Which I think, I think we talked about that last time on the podcast. Did um, we, we didn't mention the chess thing, though, did we? No, I, I must have mentioned... I couldn't have got through a review of the Queen's Gambit without mentioning everyone, chess. Everyone is just playing chess at the minute. Uh, like everyone I see has just got this chess up on their phone. Everyone's obsessed. Everyone in my flat plays chess. It's I'm the only person who can't play chess, and they I mean, play. I can play it. I'm actually decent at it, to be fair. <laughs> no, the crown isn't the reason everyone's playing chess, but it will be the reason everyone remembers they hate the royal family. The fourth season, it enters the eighties. Queen Elizabeth. She's welcoming the first British Prime Minister, the horrific Maggie Thatcher. Um, she, uh, meanwhile, Prince Charles is meeting the young Diana Spencer, and an IRA attack brings tragedy to the royal family. Now, it has to be noted, whereas in the first three seasons the royal family quite liked the crown, now they've hired lawyers. Charles is really unhappy about his portrayal because, you know, you cheat on your wife and have to divorce her, and when they dramatise it, you're not going to come off like a nice guy, Charles. Um, Can I say one thing here, Ben? Yeah? You're very open about your political views on this podcast. Mm. Ben's views are not the same as my views, and in fact, I um, keep my views to myself. Oh, I love the royal family, but I was just... I, I also... I'm not being associated with what you said about Margaret Thatcher either. Okay. You cannot be... <laughs> you cannot be... I will let you not be associated with that. Uh, I'm impartial. Ben, I feel like you should start another podcast based on politics because I feel like you cannot get through 10 minutes without touching on it. No, I just feel like I am with the vast majority of the country with my views on Maggie Thatcher. But I will... I'm not saying I don't agree. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm not speaking about it on the podcast. I also think... Here's my view, and this is part of my views. You'll tell in my writing, you'll tell it when I'm watching this. If people are listening and taking my opinion, which you obviously don't have to, I'm wrong, my opinion's not the right one, it's just my one, on a TV show, then particularly with something like The Crown, they kind of need to know where I come from behind it. Like, yeah, when I watch Gillian Anderson play Maggie Thatcher... No, Ben, I'm not dissing you for doing your thing. I'm just stating that my vibe is different to yours. Yeah, 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 of course. But you, when you... You've even got your political view in your Twitter bio, Ben. I do have my political... Well... It's, it is important, I think, that actually critics are quite open, particularly when you deal with quite political stuff. 
season four of The Crown is actually quite political. You can't talk about Maggie Thatcher without having your sides known to the audience because they affect how you view the characters, how you watch the show. That's the honest truth of it. I don't think you can be in that impartial when dealing with politics, particularly in 2020. But let's get back to what I think of the actual show. Um, I loved it. I watched the first two episodes. I loved the stories, lines that played out. I loved the characters. The acting's excellent. Emma Corrin and Gillian Anderson are both brilliant new additions as um, Maggie Thatcher and Princess Diana. Obviously, Olivia Coleman's great. The directing's brilliant. The first episode storyline was really strong. The costumes, the sets, the filming locations, you can tell it's Netflix's most expensive show. It just transports you back into that quite dark time in British history. Um, I just think it's really well done. I'm really looking forward to watching the remaining eight episodes in the series, but I am desperate now because I don't want to dive into all of them at once. Um, it also needs to be noted, I am a history student. I find this stuff fascinating and it's been really cool to be taken back in time by the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That sounds good. I think I'm in the minority by saying I have never watched The Crown. Mm, it is good. It sounds dull and boring, but it isn't. It does. I mean, it's in its fourth season as well. Four of six. So it can't be that bad. And it's going to six. And, you know, now we're getting to the good bits that everyone knows. Yes. Uh, now, though, on to our classic film watch, Breathless, which is a re-release. Yes, so classic film watch was kind of a section that we did at the beginning of the pod, and then for no apparent reason we just shelved it for Jacob's Binge of the Week. However, this week, one of the classic films in cinema... Am I doing a binge this week, by the way? No, you're not. Because you did The Mandalorian. Because and... I haven't got have one. Because <laughs> you're doing The Mandalorian and we're talking about I'm a Celeb after, remember. If yes, you want our thoughts good. on I'm a Celeb, listen to the end of the podcast because they're juicy. Uh, well, I'm not sure they are. They're probably the same as most of Twitter's. But um, anyway, Breathless is it's by Jean-Luc Godard. Um, it's a film that changed the industry. It's a classic of French cinema. Um, it's notorious for brilliant film craft and new techniques and so many film academics have wrote really long amazing pieces on it which I won't go into in that much detail. Um, it follows Michael, a petty thief who steals a car and impulsively murders a policeman. Um, then he creates an escape plan to hide in Italy so he pursues his love interest Patricia to come along with him. Um, I saw this film in the summer, it's impressive, it's interesting some of the stuff it pioneered, if you can go and what, finding out what it pioneers, it will give you so much more of an appreciation for the film. It's probably a film maybe I admire more than love or enjoy, but I do admire it, and you don't need the subtitles on to understand the film, which is testament to a great foreign language film. So, what are you waiting for? It's 60 years old, but it is a pioneering film of cinema. Watch it. So you were giving that a must-watch, Ben? Yes, I am. I'm also giving The Crown a must-watch. And I'm assuming you're giving The Mandalorian a must-watch. How could you tell? Mm, I know. We might have a few must-watches on the show. <laughs> Over to BBC now. Mm. Oh, two, two BBC shows this week consecutively. Uh, we're going to be reviewing Industry right after we review his Dark Materials Season 2 
which is on BBC iPlayer, of course, and a new episode premieres on BBC One every Sunday night. Yes. Now, I never read the Philip Pullman books, um, but my family were all obsessed with them. So I jumped into the TV show last week, and I'm a huge fan. Um, in season two, we see Lyra and Will explore the new world, which I can't say. The Magisterian are trying to resolve the actions in the dramatic season one finale and punish Miss Coulter for her actions letting Lyra free. And Lee Scoresby is embarking on a mission to help protect Lyra from the evil Magisterium. Now, I don't know why the film failed. It was probably bad t- timing. They tried to jam too much in. And that's why this needed a TV show. It came out a decade afterwards and the iconic literature is now being given its time to properly play out over the eight episodes a season. They can get into the details they couldn't get in the show, in the film, and I think that works for the story and the narrative, even if it's a bit contrived to get it into eight one-hour formats. Um, Lyra's brilliant. Daphne Keane is so good in that lead character. I normally get really worried for child actors, but she's brilliant. Um, I really like the foundations of the story, and I like where it's moving in season two. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but watching Lyra and Will meet for the first time and collaborate is awesome. I love the differences between the three Oxfords. I find those really cool. And it's just magical escapist fantasy. It's what the book's promised. It's a deep tale about growing up. And we've got plenty of demons. So, I'm a fan. You're a fan. I am really interesting that you uh, like the child uh, actress in that. Because normally you're not a huge fan of children No, it's not I'm not a fan of child actors. I just think they can be quite hit or miss. Yeah, we've I all we've all watched awful child actors before. Yeah, and actually like that Phantom Menace, the guy mm. who plays Anakin in Phantom Menace, Star Wars. Mm. Actually, that's always saying less about the child's talent than the people directing them. If it's a bad performance, if it's a good performance, it shows the actors are really great. But if it's bad, but it's... then you look at like Harry Potter, uh, the guy who plays Draco Malfoy, incredible. Mm. Yeah, but that was good directing, and Draco's an incredibly well-written character, so it makes sense. Also, I'm going to say this, Jacob, I know your taste a bit from... We've done 20 episodes of this together now. Actually more, because we've deleted a few. Um, We've done like 24. (laughs) A couple will never see the light of day. And And we've also probably... We did this first take, but I'd say there's probably about 60 podcast attempts you know what i mean oh we've had a lot of failed takes um anyway i think you would like this show i do it's got that kind of fantasy elements you like so i think you'd enjoy it and i brilliant i am um, well i may give that may give that a watch i binged the whole thing in all two days so that's how much i enjoy um Anyway. Over to BBC Two now with Industry, with a new episode premiering each and every Wednesday. Now, I'm just going to say this. I could not be a banker or work in the financial market. It stresses no, me out. And just watching Industry stressed me out, and not in a good way when you watch a good horror movie type of way. Um, It follows a group of young bankers and traders who are trying to make their way 
in the financial world after it literally brought the world to a collapse in 2008 and plunged many people into poverty. Um, something feels off. I can't bring myself to watch any more than the episode I have. It's just... It's clear that industry's disappointing, and it did disappoint me. And I've tried to work out... I watched it a few days ago. Is your opinion on it an unpopular opinion, or is it quite... Looking at social media, I don't think it's unpopular. Um, Because I suddenly realised industry plays up the narratives and the stereotypes of the social curiosities around the financial sector in London, and it plays up the things it's an elitist transatlantic bunch who produce stuff nobody wins nobody loses nobody wants the goods they take ridiculous risks with a ridiculous amount of money and don't help anyone's lives actually get more to hurting them to make a few people ridiculously rich and it just plays off really crass and there's also a problem there's lots of white upper class characters and there's two who aren't. And one of them literally dies in the first episode through overexhaustion. And the other one, Harper, and this isn't the actress's fault, I can't remember her name, she does a great portrayal. But the writing of her being from a non-good school, having gone to a non-uni without, she's not showed her uni certificate yet, so you worry if she's got it. It just felt lazy, and they could have had interesting characters. It could have been a really rich ensemble of the graduates, but it just fell into stereotypes, and that's truly disappointing. So, so you um, you weren't a fan. Run away, run, run, run away. But at least we've got something positive next because it's yeah, our first Christmas I film. I can't believe this. We're recording this on the 15th of November, and there's a bloody Christmas film. It came out on Friday, so I'm not the person who said that it's the right time to watch Christmas films. This is No, it's absolutely not. I'm just watching it because it's my job. Just think of all the kids that have Netflix, see this on new releases, and are just going to be excited for it. I just feel sorry for their parents. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a tiny bit too early to watch a Christmas film. I'm going to agree with you. But I reckon by next week, because it's 2020, we're in lockdown, it's been a dark year, I want to see the end of the year. Um... It's, you're, you're one of them people that thinks Corona's going to be done on January the 1st. I, I don't. I'm not that delusional. But I think things can only get better in 2020. Pray. <laughs> so, or I hope they it's can. It's got a great name, by the way. This this uh, Christmas film on Netflix. Yes, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. Which Jingle has... Jangle, A Christmas Journey. And... Oh, I love the Jingle Jangle bit. It's surprisingly good. I is don't... it a cartoon? Is it live action? It's what live it? action. It's set in a vibrant town called Cobbletown, because it's a Christmas film, where a legendary toy maker called Generacus Janchangle, played by Forrest Rissica, fancifully investigations, invention, sorry, burst with whimsy and wonder. Um, but when his trusted apprentice, played by Keegan Mich- Michelle Kay, 
uh, Stevens's most prized creation, it's up to the equally bright and inventive grandchild, Madeline Mills, and a long-forgotten invention to heal the runes and reawaken the magic within. That's a very standard Christmas film plot, but it doesn't really matter. Now, Netflix haven't really made many good Christmas films. They're all a bit TV movie, a bit honkety plonkety, like that stuff you watch on Channel 5 when it hits the 20th of November, that are not really that good, but they get you in the mood for Christmas. However, this one's very well produced. It's high budget. I enjoyed it. Um, the musical is numbers... It better than, is it better than Elf? I love Elf. No, I think it's great. It's not better than Elf. And it's not better than Love, actually. Um, and it's probably going to be a watch if you can, because I doubt it will stand the test of time in a way other Christmas films have. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not a fun watch. Um, the musical numbers are fantastic. The costumes are marvellous and Christmassy. Yes, it's cheesy. Yes, it's absurd. But the plot's good. It's charming. I enjoyed Every it. Christmas film is cheesy as well, by the way. Yeah. Like, when every Christmas film's cheesy and absurd... It's the only genre where I accept that. So Exactly, exactly. But and I when feel it, like twenty twenty we all need a bit of cheese. When do you think of interest that it's enough soon enough to watch a Christmas film? And listen to music. Fifteenth of December. Ooh. Ooh. Cause I I dunno. We've already got a bit of tinsel up in our flat kitchen. But um, a little bit, not a huge amount. We've not fully decorated and we've not got a tree yet. But well, none of you are actually there for Christmas. No, we're... Presumably. So. I, won't, I won't be here for Christmas. But so I'm, just a waste of money and time and effort. Oy. I sound like the Grinch. I'm not. I love Christmas, but I do think practically. Yeah, no, it is all three of those. But um, I think maybe next weekend is when we can start. That's my honest opinion. It's what feels right, right now, because it's a bit, it's a bit dark. Then you do you. I'll do you. Anyway, it's the run up for Christmas. That means one thing. I'm a celebrity. Yes. Get me out of here. We both. We are recording this at right now. It is sixteen minutes past eleven. On uh, Sunday the 15th of November, which means literally mm, 45 minutes ago, uh, episode one just finished. Mm. And it was a great, it's great. It's not in the Australian jungle. It's in a castle in Wales. Yes. And I think it's better. I think it's better. I think it's a revamp the show needs. Um, Yes, 100%. I wouldn't be surprised if they stayed in Wales. Yeah, I, I think they'll stay in Wales from now on. I have some, well. I have them sorts. Um, firstly, I, I did write them down. Vernon Kay's haircut. Tragic. Do you like it? Tragic. Yeah. <laughs> Just, he's got like the bit at the back. Everyone yeah, listening. Yeah, it's very long, isn't it? It is, it is. Um, secondly, I think we should introduce ourselves as Ben Heath and Jacob Dine, non-MBEs. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> very much shade that was uh what else did i i think i would be awful do you think you could deal with it 
honestly yeah I, I do i think i'd be quite good actually i think you'd be good i think i would be jumpy and terrified i think you would be a jordan yes i'd be a jordan um <laughs> jordan north i've been saying to my mates as soon as i found out jordan north was going in the jungle now i listened to him on the radio um as soon as i found out jordan north was going in the jungle i said to my mates jordan north is gonna win and they were like who's that and honestly i've had so many messages in the last two hours being like yes jordan will win when he vomited great start great yeah he vomited i think he he must have been the quickest person to ever vomit on that show yeah no i think uh, that probably is i mean the show's older than us so it's highly likely we won't we aren't the experts on this but but I can't imagine anyone else has vomited that quickly. No. <laughs> he didn't eat anything, by the way. He just realised he had to abseil down a cliff. So it all got a bit much for him. Mm. Yeah, no, he is going to be hilarious. He's, um, um, he's good fun, isn't he? He's a what, good character. What do you think of the rest of the cast, though? Because I think it's a bit terrible. I think other than Jordan North, it is a bit naff, isn't it? I think... Shane Ritchie, is that his name? Yeah. He could be a laugh. Um, um, the ooh, Mo Farah. I like Mo Farah. I like Mo Farah, but I think he's gonna. Well, I'm not gonna watch the show, but I think he is going to annoy people by being yeah, a bit too that. Mo Farah-y. Um, I don't really know who any of the women are, bar Vicky Derbyshire. Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, Vicky Derbyshire, you think could win? I think she could. I think if you've seen any of her news or radio work, she is very engaging, very charming. Feels like your mum. I think she could be the mum. I feel like it's going to be between her and be between her and Jordan. Yep. Um, was it, who was it that Jordan was like? It was Victor, Vicky. Victoria yeah. Derbyshire. Yeah. She the... came and Jordan was like, Victoria. I used to be Victoria's teacher. Yeah, no, no, that's her. Yeah. Um. I am um, no. So will for you me, be Jordan a win? Will you be tuning in every night? I will be. Yeah. I am obsessed with MasterChef The Professionals, so that takes up a lot of my time um, well, at the moment. You'll be following I'm Celebrity on Twitter. I'll be following I'm Celebrity on Twitter because MasterChef The Professionals doesn't normally hit the trending. But it's a fun show. Piri on MasterChef The Professionals. If you've watched it, you know how amazing she is. Um, it makes me... I can't cook, so it makes me want to. Also, just while we're talking about reality TV... I got into Strictly this year because... So have I! Yes, because I thought, well, it's 2020, I need a bit of light, I need some fun, and Bill Bailey on that show is great. How did Jamie Lang do um, on Saturday, just gone? <sighs> Google his... He was so good. So... He's got so much better, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. He's my favourite. I'm voting for him every week. He's my favourite as well, but I don't think he's going to win. I think Clara Anfo will win. I think she may... She did really well last week. Don't know, this week. I don't think she'll win. I think I think Bill Bailey's got the win. Um, interesting, interesting stance. Well, Ben, we can talk about reality TV forever. However, let's be honest... Everyone's probably tuned out by now, but thank you so, so much for listening. We should be with you again next week, just depending how busy we are and things like that. But whenever we can, we will bring you a podcast. We love to do it. Share this podcast with your friends and uh, stay safe and look after your mental health and your family and friends. Bye. Bye.